Happy Friday morning, Covenant Network. It's 7 a.m. on this Friday, April 22nd. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. I'm Adam Wright with you for the hour, and it is Roadmap Roundup Friday, where we talk with ordinary, everyday Catholics just like you about ordinary, everyday Catholic things and how to be holy. So let's get to let's get to work this morning. We are going to pray, as always, our morning offering. And you may have already prayed the Regina Chaley this morning, but we thought it'd be nice to honor the Blessed Mother and pray the Regina Chaley as well. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the holy sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. Queen of Heaven, rejoice. Alleluia. For he whom you did merit to bear. Alleluia. Has risen as he said. Alleluia. Pray for us to God, alleluia. Rejoice and be glad, O Virgin Mary, alleluia. For the Lord has truly risen, alleluia. Let us pray. O God, who gave the joy to the world, who gave joy to the world through the resurrection of thy Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, grant we beseech thee that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary, his mother, we may obtain the joys of everlasting life through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. 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 In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, I've got some reminders for you this morning before we jump into our roundup topics. Number one, Sunday is Divine Mercy Sunday, and it's a great, great reminder for us. If it's been a while since you have been to the Sacrament of Reconciliation, this is one of the best weekends to make it a point to go, because there are so many great opportunities And if you say, well, you know, Adam, it's been a while since I've been, and I don't remember what to do, and I don't know what to say to Father, this is a great weekend to go and say, Father, it's been a long while, and I don't remember quite what to do, but I'm here. And Father will walk you through it. I mean, there are so many great priests that are hearing confessions this weekend for Divine Mercy Sunday, and so many wonderful parishes that are having extra prayers throughout the weekend. I know at my parish, after the noon mass, we're going to recite the Divine Mercy Chaplet and pray the Novena prayers. Um, I know there are several parishes that are adding additional masses that are having holy hours and confessions and then singing the chaplet or praying the chaplet or praying the Novena prayers or doing all of the above, really. And you just have to check what's going on in your parish. And if there's nothing going on in your parish, don't fret. Just look at the parishes around you or go to your diocesan webpage. I know here in the Archdiocese of St. Louis, um, Jennifer Brinker at the Review was working on a list of where those things are in St. Louis. And if you go to the St. Louis Review website at archstl.org, you can find... Feast of Divine Mercy is a a special celebration right there on the the Review's website. She's got a whole list. In fact, to make it even easier for you, right now, when we go to the break, I'm going to go to facebook.com slash roadmap radio. Easy one to remember, facebook.com slash roadmap radio, and I'm going to put a link to that article so you can find all of the things here in St. Louis where there are Divine Mercy celebrations. Uh, For those of you listening outside of St. Louis, I'm sorry I don't have that resource for you, but I encourage you to do a little little bit of homework on your own this morning 
to find those things as well. We are going to take a break to go check the weather with Mike Roberts. It's going to be a warm one today. I know that much, but let's go get the full report from Mike. Today is the feast day of St. Abdesius and Companions, who were martyrs and saints Pope Soter and Pope Caius. Born in Italy, Pope Soter was elected to lead the church from 167 to 174 and was known for his great love for the poor. In a letter he wrote to all of his churches, Pope Soter said, This has been your custom from the beginning, to do good in manifold ways to all Christians and to send contributions to the many churches in every city. Your blessed Bishop Soter has not only carried on this habit, but has even increased it by administering the bounty and by exhorting with his brethren who come to Rome, loving them as a father would love his children. Pope Soter was also a staunch opponent of the heresy of Montanism, which declared that a Christian who sinned gravely could never be redeemed. Pope Caius made it a church law that anyone who became a bishop had to first become a priest. He led the church from 283 to 297 when he died just before the persecution of Diocletian, who was one of his relatives. Saints, Pope, Soter, and Caius, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. We are back, and if you were praying with us just a few moments ago, which you were, you were, you know you were. I know you were. I don't, I don't even know why I said if. You heard the, uh, the dulcet tones of two fine gentlemen here in the studio this morning. Ben Grijalva from Assumption Parish in St. Louis. And uh, Chris Horan. From, you're out in High Ridge now, right? House Springs. House Springs. I knew it started with an H. You made the long commute. He gets the prize for the long commute into the studio this morning. So, Chris, uh, last time you were here, you were telling us about how you are studying the Benedictine spirituality. And, and really, uh, remind us about that. You, is that a third order Benedictine? Yeah, so it's not really considered a third order, at least how the monks consider it. You're sort of attached to and sort of an extension of a specific monastery. Okay. So, for example, I'm discerning becoming an oblate at Clear Creek, Our Lady of Clear Creek Abbey in Oklahoma, 70 miles or so east of Tulsa. Uh, middle of nowhere, of course. Um, but you could pick any monastery. You could pick the Abbey here in St. Louis. Uh, you could pick Norcia in Italy, uh, where St. Benedict was. And so you're you're essentially living a domestic life, of course, but in a, in a monastic way, where you know in whatever your vocation is. So there are several priests in the archdiocese who I know that are oblates as well, and I believe a Clear Creek or Gower, where the sisters are in uh, Northwest Missouri. And living the life of, of a Benedictine, but not in a monastery. Right. Without, you know, you're not taking the vows, you're not going to the monastery, but you are committing yourself in a way to live by principles of Benedictine spirituality, parts of the rule, etc. So right. one of those hallmarks of Benedictine tradition is hospitality. Everyone I know who's ever been affiliated with, whether it's Benedictine college or Benedictine monasteries or, or whatnot, they talk about how that is a hallmark of their spirituality. And this past Sunday, we celebrated Easter Sunday. It's a very easy day to think about hospitality. I'm very grateful for my sister-in-law who welcomed us all into her home, let the chaos descend upon their home for a few hours for brunch after everyone went to morning mass. And that was fantastic. But 
it's really easy to think about those days. Well, I have to be hospitable Christmas and Easter, and if we have a barbecue for the 4th of July, you know, we plan out those things, or birthdays. But it's an everyday thing that we're called to offer hospitality. I don't know that that means I'm going to stand on my front porch saying, hey, anybody that wants to come in, come on in. But what does that mean, you know, as as you are becoming an oblate of uh, the Benedictines, what does that mean for you and your family to practice hospitality? Yeah, so it's it's a really good question, uh, and I hadn't really thought about <clears throat> excuse me hosp- hospitality not at home, right? But there there are some things that we do that we try to do because we're trying to do this as a family, and um, encouraging my wife to consider becoming an oblate as well because the ladies can become oblates as well, and. It's not only those those major feasts that you have celebrations for and you have people over. It's regularly inviting people over just because to foster good Catholic community and and so inviting them regularly. I heard a we heard a quote one time that was, you know, what's the key to good good intentional Catholic community is just invite them over, right? Your house isn't going to always be the perfect in the perfect you know situation because you have kids everywhere and toys everywhere, but it's the beauty of having people over. It's, it's almost like a taste of heaven when people come over, right? And so it's one being ahead of that, being prepared to have people over if you can, right? Making sure that your home is at least visually uh, in a position where it's it's inviting. And also the other way, if if you're not at home, how do we how do we be hospitable to others? Is what we try to do is when our friends have children, which is right now it's happening all the time, but we we try to prepare a meal for them and bring it to them. So it's almost like it would be if they were at our house, but because they're busy with the new child and other kids, it's taking that meal to them and taking that Benedictine approach to them into their home, even though we can't um, maybe go into their home because of the the new child. So, All right. Well, I I love that. Um, I I remember hearing a Catholic speaker at, at one point in time talking about how what they did in their neighborhood was they literally just said on Sunday nights, we're going to have dinner in our backyard. They live down on the Gulf Coast. So every weekend, uh, except for maybe three, Sunday night, the weather would be all right to have dinner yeah. outside. And they just said to all of their neighbors, if you want to come, show up. You know, don't, you don't have to RSVP. Just show up. But bring something. Mm-hmm. Because if everybody brings something, you know, we might not all get a taste of everything, but we'll all get something. Yeah. And it just kind of, I think they lived on a cul-de-sac, and it just grew from there. And they started having this really great community. And it became a great evangelization opportunity for them as well, because not all of their neighbors were Catholic. Um, but it started this question, well, why, why are you doing this? And, and mm-hmm. you know, you guys do things a little differently. Why do you believe what you believe? But, again, building that community from the ground up. Uh, the the one word I, I just picked up, that it's something I've been I've taken a heart in my life is invite. When we're talking about evangelization, you know, we can we can stand on a street corner and scream at the top of our lungs, you need to be saved, which we need to hear that sometimes, right? But the key is inviting people. We invite, you know, make a friend, be a friend, bring a friend to Christ. And we do that through invitation. And that I think that's a really beautiful thing. Yeah, we just kept to constantly invite people and to open their mind to the possibility that Christ is there for them. Yeah. You know, Chris, I wonder sometimes um, outside of the home where we have those opportunities for that. You talk about inviting people in or, or when, you know, your friends are having babies, taking things to them because they can't come to your house. They're busy with a newborn. Yeah. Um, you know, when we're in the grocery store and 
someone comes up and you're both walking towards the line at the same time and it's obvious mm-hmm. that you were there first, but being able to just say, no, you know what, here, please take my spot yeah. here in line. Yeah, it's almost more servant leadership in a way. It's putting others before you. Um, and that's a, that's a key tenet of the Benedictine life is when, when people come to the monastery is to receive them as Christ, receive all as Christ. And so we try to do that when, when we invite people over and they come into our home. But to your, to your question, Adam, we can do this in the store. We can do this at church, inviting people to mass um, and, and always seeing others as Christ, whether they're in your physical home or not. Yeah. It's like the one day the kid said to me, dad, there's somebody in our pew. I'm like, well, first off, it's not our pew. It doesn't belong to us. And second, good. You know, that means that they're here. And that's that's a great thing. So speaking of being here, we are still going to be here after this break, but we are going to take a quick break here. You're listening to the Roadmap Roundup this morning on Roadmap to Heaven. Don't go anywhere. We are back. You're listening to the Roadmap Roundup this Friday morning, April 22nd. I'm Adam Wright, joined in studio by Chris Horan and Ben Grijalva. Ben, you are without a doubt the uh, most seasoned parent among the I feel old now. Yeah, sorry about that. It's uh, The numbers don't lie, my friend. Um, but, you know, that that's a great thing for us because Chris and I can now soak in the wisdom of your experience. As and, I sink farther into my chair while you say that. <laughs> well... I'll, I'll put it this way. This coming Sunday is Divine Mercy Sunday, and we, we mentioned that at the beginning of the show. We're all called to imitate Christ, and that includes imitating his mercy. Now, me personally, Chris, I don't know about you, but I have to be honest. Sometimes as a parent, I feel it's a lot easier to imitate the wrath and justice of God in the Old Testament. But you're the, you know, like I said, you're the veteran parent on our panel today. What's helped you practice parent mercy in your parenting? You know? We want to discipline our children and so that they, you know, I, I had an instant la- instance last night where I had to discipline one of my children and say, you know, what you did is unacceptable and this is the punishment. And she said, I don't like it. You're mean. Why do you have to be so mean? And I said, because I want you to grow up and be a good person. And that means you have to learn how to follow rules now. Um, and I was ready to go wrath and justice in that moment. But how do you how do you imitate mercy? What what have you found that works? You know, it's uh, it's a um, there's so many thoughts that are running through my mind. It's just kind of, I think the biggest thing, and I, and it always seems to tie back to the sacraments, right? So that just being truthful with kids and letting them know what the truth is about actions and repercussions to actions, right? So we can talk about all kinds of different ways to discipline a child, but if we're talking about mercy, the first thing I think we need to show our kids is more love than discipline. They have to know that they are loved. They have to get hugs and kisses. And dare I say publicly that they need to hear that from their fathers. They need to know that their dads love them and that our job as parents in general is to help them grow up to be good, strong adults. And God-fearing in the true sense, not in the in the public secular world sense. Or why are you so afraid of God? Right? There, there, there are there are supernatural repercussions for actions in our lifetime if we're not careful. And bringing in God's mercy, the biggest thing that I think that I can do in terms of being a parent is letting my children see 
my own humility in standing in line with a group of bunch of people I don't know waiting to go talk to a priest about what I've done wrong. And then when the kids are old enough, being able to talk to them about, hey, here's some of the mistakes I made in my life, and here's why I'm trying to help you not make those mistakes. But if you do make them and their sins, that confessional is there, and we are so fortunate as Catholics to have it available to us all the time to receive infinite mercy from God. He's always there to forgive us. Yeah. it's. I mean— very, very true. Chris, you look like you want to jump in there. No, I I try to, it's it's difficult, obviously, but go to St. Joseph and just imitate him, especially as a father, right? He didn't say much, at least anything recorded. Um, and so it's it's being that gentle and, like you said, loving, charitable, um, almost soft in some ways, but also firm. And I, I think that that's... That's what I try to do is just think what, you know, what would our Lord do, but what would Jesus do for our Lord? Yeah. Well, you know, that's, that's a really, sorry, Joseph, Joseph, do for our Lord. Lord. Well, you know, that's, that's a really good reminder for us. Um, Sometimes I, I, I think about the fact that, you know, let's look at Jesus on the cross or let's look at the wounds of Christ as we hear in the gospel, uh, you know, when he appears to Thomas and says, put, put your hands, put your fingers in, in the nail marks in my hands and in the wound in my side. Jesus didn't have to go to Calvary. He did not have to be crucified. He chose that. He was the pure victim. Um, there was nothing in him that required him to do some work of reparation. And yet he chose to do this for us. He took the punishment upon himself. And sometimes I wonder as a parent how often, you know, I I told the kids the other night because they were just in shambles in the morning trying to get out the door. And the whole night before, I'm like, let's line up everything we need because we can't be late tomorrow morning. And we were not just late. We were very late the next morning. So I said, that's it. No television, no video games, you know, and not that they watch a lot of TV and they, they don't get much screen time really at all, but I said none, none when we get home from school today. And my daughter said, well, does that mean you too? And I thought, oh, you know what? I mean, it should, shouldn't it, Ben? Well, that all depends on who made you late. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't make you late. You did, right? It's, uh, the other thing I wanted to mention was uh, it, when we, you know, the thing I think as a parent I've had to learn is that I'm, except about myself is that I'm not perfect and I'll never be a perfect parent. And there is no book in the world like, okay, page 43 on this day at this time when the kid is this age, you do this and everything's going to be great. There isn't a book made on this earth that covers it all. You just, it's about you and how you are and your kids are how you are. And sometimes you make mistakes, mistakes at parents as parents. And, um, you have to, you, sometimes you need to ask forgiveness of your kids from your kids for, for, you know, being grumpy, right? The wrath of God. Well, if <laughs> there's only one perfect wrath and it's not mine, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's the wrath of God. And then, and then if dad gets upset, it's like, oh, but did, was I righteous or do I need to say, I'm really sorry I snapped at you this morning. Do you forgive me? Mm-hmm. The hardest words in the whole world to say is I forgive you when it comes yeah. to mercy, right? Yeah. We have to learn to let it go. And that, uh, and it's hard. That, that, that's difficult at times. Yeah. You know, you should think about writing a book and I'll, and, and 
dedicate page 43 to Roadmap to Heaven. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. We'll call it a chapter, Roadmap to Heaven. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, hey, uh, let's uh, let's take another break here on the Roundup this morning. But don't go anywhere, friends. It's, it's the octave of Easter. We're celebrating joy. And uh, when we come back, we're going to be talking a little bit about our hearts burning within us. So you're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. We'll be back after this cataquiz question for you and i have stopped putting these on the outline that i send out to our panelists so this is pop quiz for ben and chris you can work together as a team it's about a patron saint today who is here's our cataquiz question for this friday who is the patron saint of first communicants who is the patron saint of first communicants i believe it's a jesuit correct I don't know. Uh, no, 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 no. I believe I don't know. I, I, that is correct, Ben. You don't know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, I, lost uh, that. I thought it was a Jesuit, but maybe not. No, it, you know, there may be multiple. Uh, the one I know is St. Tarsisius. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay. St. Tarsisius, and this is from... Uh, of course, I had that at Father, all the time. Yeah. Father Clifford Stevens. Tarsisius was a 12-year-old acolyte during one of the fierce Roman persecutions of the 3rd century, probably during that of Valerian. Each day, from a secret meeting place in the catacombs where Christians gathered for Mass, a deacon would be sent to the prisons to carry the Eucharist to those Christians condemned to die. At one point, there was no deacon to send, and so St. Tarsisius, an acolyte, was sent carrying holy mysteries to those in prison. I believe, reading on here, um, he was martyred. Uh, or, yeah. yeah. He was also the patron of altar servers for young young boys who, because he... Yeah. Yeah. So he, he, he was beaten. Um, a mob descended upon him when he was going, and uh, they, they beat him, and uh, it's believed a fellow Christian drove off the mob and rescued the young acolyte, but the, he died on his way back to the catacombs from his injuries. He is buried in the cemetery of St. Callistus, and his relics are claimed by the church of San Silvestro in Capite. So I know this because at my kid's school, every homeroom has a patron saint, and the second grader's patron saint, St. Tarsisius. Beautiful. Because they are, in fact, tomorrow. If you all could pray for my daughter, she's making her first Holy Communion Amen. tomorrow. And that leads to our next question here. On the uh, on the roadmap roundup, we're going to hear we hear it every Easter season the the story of the road to Emmaus, and I love that passage. We're not our hearts burning within us while He spoke to us on the way and opened the Scriptures to us. And you know, it's a beautiful thing that our Lord kind of hides who He is from the apostles on the road, but He's telling them all of these things, and then they come to realize who He is, and their their hearts are burning. And I was very privileged, gentlemen, as a music director for 16 years to play for, I don't remember how many First Communion Masses, at least 16. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the joy of the children, of the, of the children ready to receive our Lord. This is, you know, this has been all we've talked about in our house this week. And I, I wonder to myself, why doesn't my heart burn like that? You know, I, I understand, I know in my head the gift that our Lord, present body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist is to us. Why do I sometimes not approach the altar with that same fervor, that same anticipation, that same joy of a second grader whose heart is burning within her to make her first Holy Communion tomorrow? And what can I do? You know, we, we pray, come Holy Spirit and enkindle in us the fire 
of your love. How can I take that prayer and really kindle the flames? Yeah, I think I think a big part of it, obviously, is the 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 more years we've been on Earth than them, right? There's more stain of sin, which you know we we and we talked a little bit earlier about making sure we're regular regularly using the sacraments, right? And it's a good time to get to confession. So, um, that that's I guess to to some of the things that I do on a daily basis. If I can get to that, Adam. Is, you know, we were just talking about this on the way when I on the way here, um, listening to the office song. You know, we were, we were speaking about my you know approach with the in life and spirituality around the Benedictines is listening to them to, to them sing the office, and you know at the at the you know roughly the right right time of day, and so there are apps out there that you can use as well to uh, listen to the office as you as you drive. You know, I help you pray the rosary. Um, we also try to set an alarm for six noon and six for the Angelus, right? That because you get busy during the day, you're working, doing whatever. But then when you hear the alarm go off, it, it makes you stop for a good minute and a half and, and stop and pray the Angelus. So but those are, those are a few simple things that, that we do that I do. Um, and there's obviously many tools and resources that apps and things. I was just telling Ben about an app from the monks uh, that you can download as well to make use in, in your day. All right, Ben. What about you? What do you do to keep those fires burning? Well, well, one of the the one thing I do in particular, um, and I tell you, it's so early in the morning. So if, you know, I I go to the Adoration Chapel every Wednesday at four a.m. And admittedly, I walk in, and the first thing I do when I when I kneel is I I, I say, "My Lord and my God," just like Thomas did, right? Mm-hmm. Because I'm there before the Blessed Sacrament, and I also pray, God. I believe that's why I'm here, but help my unbelief, right? And um, I, I have daily routines that I get into, and then sometimes you, I fall out of them, right? But the one thing I've been able to maintain with regularity is showing up at that chapel, even though sometimes I fall asleep. That is, that's that's where that's where I go hug my rock, right? That's where I go hug the cross. That's where I go hug the feet of Christ, um, and 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 is. Everybody knows it's not a, it's, we're pulled by so many things in the world. It's sometimes it's hard to maintain a consistency, but for whatever reason, that's that's one commitment. And, and the other one is I, I make an effort to pray a rosary, at least a part of a rosary every day. I used to pray the whole entire rosary every day when I was single, right? I could mm-hmm. show up at the chapel and I, I'd actually pray, pray, start it on the way to work, finish it at the chapel. And uh, that's when I was going to the chapel every day. And, um, of course, married with children, lots of responsibilities, things change. But I would like to say that, you know, being holy is the effort to be holy. So for those who have trouble, like me, everyday person, right, you fall into habits. They're great. Sometimes you fall out of those habits, but never stop making the effort. That's what God appreciates is the fight. And I find a lot of inspiration in just knowing that he wants me to get back up every day, make the best effort I can, and it doesn't have to be perfect because there's only one perfect person. I, I sometimes worry, Ben, that our listeners, you know, and myself included sometimes, I, I hear people talk about, you know, I go Wednesdays at 4 a.m. to the Adoration Chapel to make a holy hour, and I say, wow, that guy is hardcore. You know, <laughs> that guy, he must really be devoted. Um, 
And then I, I meet some of these people like you, and I'm, I'm glad to have met you. Do you ever have days where when the alarm clock goes off to wake you up to go to the Adoration Chapel at 4 a.m. that it's really a struggle and a fight for you? Absolutely. So it's not the easiest thing yeah. in the world. No, it, it is not. It is it is a challenge. And there's times, admittedly, like well, obviously if I'm going to be out of town that I, I call in my subs, right, my buddies right. that I've gotten to know over the years, and I say, hey, I need a sub. We've been working on our house, and there's some Wednesdays I just know I'm not going to be able to get up. I call in a sub. So there's some balance there. But on those days, man, yeah, that alarm goes off, and where's my snooze button? And, yeah. yeah. But I find a way to get there, even though sometimes I'm a couple minutes late. Right? So, you know, when in the moment of getting up, you're saying, I don't really want to do this today. I would much rather be asleep. Have you ever walked out, you know, an hour later at 5 a.m., walked out of the Adoration Chapel saying, well, this was a complete— Waste of time. Why did I even get up and come here? Or you has know, it always been that grace? <laughs> it's uh, So the grace is there no matter how I feel, right? And right. sometimes I've walked out thinking, Lord, I slept for a half an hour today. I am so sorry. And there's times when I go in thinking to myself, I'm really going to try to just you know stare, stare at Christ in that monstrance and contemplate him. I've got my, my ritual. I want to pray my rosary. I want to do the daily readings. I want to focus on the saint of the day. But, you know... My guardian angels are there, right? Yeah. Like they, people have said, if you fall asleep praying a rosary, your guardian angel finishes it for you. Well, my guardian angels work overtime some yeah. days yeah. when I'm in the chapel. That's just the truth. But for whatever reason, like God is waiting for me, right? Yeah. God is waiting for me to go no matter what and no matter how inspirational or not the day is, I was there. So despite the struggle that it can be sometimes, why is it worth it to you to keep getting up on Wednesdays to go to make that holy hour at 4 a.m.? Because, I mean, I can tell, obviously, it's something you're passionate about. Yeah, well, you know, um, so I'm, I'm, I was born Catholic, but there was a time in my life where I really wasn't pursuing my faith, so just make it 30 seconds, right? I went, I went to Mass for the first time at this place with a bunch of young adults, and right there before me, the priest is consecrating, consecrating the host, and Jesus says, Ben, this is real. That was the, that was a turning point in my life, and I still get goosebumps from it because I, I who was I at that point in my life to really hear those kinds of words from God? So, but for the people who haven't heard that, once you fall in love with Christ and you know that Christ is real in the Eucharist, a lot of things change, and my family needs me to go there. God's it isn't me going there for God's sake; it's God pulling me there for my sake. So that he can help me keep going, and and um, that's that's so I'm yeah. blessed to have had those those things happen. But that's it. It's 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 God saying, Ben, get up. You need to get over here because I don't care if you fall asleep. I need to give you grace. Yeah, he, he doesn't need us. We need him. Right. right. Yeah. I we, we've got to go to a break here in a moment, but I want to wrap this up just with this one story I heard one time. Can you imagine if just the very tip of the monstrance, you know, was radioactive that it was uranium or, or plutonium or whatever um the on the table periodic table of elements i i, I know salt i know that one because <laughs> i use it at the table um you know it, sitting in the presence of a radioactive element for an hour would dramatically affect our bodies right and not, not in a good way but sitting in the presence of our lord for an hour supernaturally has an even bigger effect and in a good way in a, in good, a good way, way you the know, best r- radiation ways. bad right. uh 
presence of our Lord, very, very good. So we're going to take another break here. You're listening to the Roadmap Roundup. We'll be back after this. We're back, and we have a, we have an update for you here. This, you know, I feel like this is breaking news, except this is from the 1300s, so it's not really <laughs> it's not really breaking news here. But you know, Chris mentioned during the catechism that you know was it a Jesuit, and so I, I said, well, I want to double check this now. So Saint Tarsicius, also patron saint of altar boys, yes, um, yes, yes. but patron saint of first communicants, and there is a patroness of first communicants who is not a canonized saint, but she is a blessed, blessed Imelda Lambertini, who was born in Bologna, Italy in 1322. At age five, she expressed a deep desire to receive our Lord in Holy Communion, but the age for reception of First Holy Communion at the time was usually set around age 14. Dominican tradition tells us that around age nine, she went to live with the Dominican nuns at Val de Pietra in a neighboring monastery. Um, There were no church laws at the time that regulated the age of admission, so it's impossible that they had, or it is possible that they admitted her to the order. Um, She frequently longed to receive Holy Communion, and the chaplain said no. You know, at age 11, she was now a nun, um, and everyone else got to go up to receive Holy Communion but her. And so one day she, you know, filled with this longing all of the time. She had been ordered to wait until she was old enough. She remained back with a longing heart after Mass. And all the other sisters went away, and she stayed in the, the chapel praying. Now, accounts uh, apparently vary, but the story goes that sometime later one of the sisters came back, and Blessed Imelda still kneeling there as she had been, but above her is a glowing light, and inside that glowing light is the sacred host. So the other sisters are called, the chaplain's called, the chaplain sees what's going on, Jesus is making his will known, and the chaplain gives her first Holy Communion, and tradition, uh, or the accounts tell us that kneeling in prayer and ecstasy, she received Holy Communion, Blessed Imelda Lambertini, and uh, closed her eyes, joined her Lord as her soul departed from her body, she went from first communion to eternal communion, which you know, we were saying during the break, if you got to go, what a way to go. And here's the news, folks. At some point or another, we all got to go. Right. So pray. Be, that, we have to be ready. Chris, I, I hope I could have that faith when it's my time to go. Yes. Yeah, an ounce of that. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So now speaking of longing and suffering, I'm going I'm to uh, turn this a little bit here. You know, I, uh, I had an issue last week on Good Friday where I was not feeling well. I know exactly what was at the root cause. It's something my doctor and I have been working on. And, you know, all's well, all's well, but it was just a miserable, miserable day. And I thought, what grace there is in this to be feeling absolutely physically miserable on the day that we remember the passion of our Lord. And, I mean, really, suffering can add so much to our prayer and participation in the in our Lord's suffering on the cross. Yeah, this is this is um, very important for us. I believe as Catholics, you know, we're we're almost called to suffer, right? We're called to to bear the cross, and some bear more crosses than others. But um, yeah, it, it, this is this is a way to um, receive grace. I believe, right? Even if it's a little cut of your finger um, to a severe sickness or illness or surgery or um, you know, something doesn't go well at work, right? That could be a cross too. So, um, yeah, th- this is, it's a very important thing to see the, what you think is an annoyance in your day to see it as a, as a cross, as a little bit of suffering and, um, to, to offer that up, you know, typically I would offer up, yeah, if I cut myself or something offered up for the souls, right? It's going to hurt for a little bit, but 
if you can offer that that little bit of pain or that little bit of suffering up for for the souls in purgatory, especially, uh, or somebody else that's that's suffering from another other you know physical ailments or something, then I think that's the it's a good approach. As so, so when you offer that up, Chris, this this is something we hear all the time. I remember going back to my grandmother teaching me, offer it up, and then in my my parents saying, offer it up. Oh, yeah. you're hurt. Offer it up. Now I do that with my kids, Ben. You know, <laughs> offer it up. Right. Offer it up. How how do you <laughs> specifically do that? Do you stop and say a prayer in that moment, like, "Ouch, this hurts, dear Lord." Please take this pain for the souls in purgatory. What what does Chris Haran do? Yeah, that's that's a good, especially and and I use it too as a point with the kid. If the kids are around, right? If they get hurt, is you know, okay, it's a little bit of suffering. Say a quick prayer, you know, um, you know whether it's the um, eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord, right? It's 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 an offer, it's an offering, a quick offering for the kids, and it reminds them, you know, because. They, they obviously don't get, as, as being eight and six and two, they're not going to get the concept of souls in, in purgatory. And so it's it's another point to teach them a little bit about yeah. souls. Now, after suffering, you know, we talk about Good Friday. What what did we celebrate Sunday after Good Friday? The joy of Easter. So, Ben, you know, it, it could be really easy to say there's so much suffering in life. I think of Gabe Jones, our you know good friend of all three of us. Uh, who he likes to quote the Princess Bride, life is pain, and anyone who tells you otherwise is selling something. So really quickly here, how does the joy of the resurrection help you endure the trials and sufferings of this life? It's the ultimate hope. Uh, we we sit there and we, we deal with our suffering. A lot of it's unexplainable, but in, instead of just saying that it's useless, we, we look at that cross and think of the incredible suffering that that Christ chose to have happen to him, right? He, he gave himself up in such a painful, horrific way to help make sense of heaven, to help make sense of what we need to endure to get to heaven, if you will. It, it, this world is full of suffering because of the imperfections that, that were born of it, right? From, from Adam and Eve. And it's hope. It's the ultimate hope that somehow what I'm going through can be put to some better use. God, take this from me and do something with it for me. Make make my pain help somebody, right? Purgatory is the great place, but you can be offering it up for other people in the world. Yeah. I offer this up for my family members that I wish would come back to the faith. It's a, it's a beautiful thing because if we if we freely offer that over to our Lord, you know what you said, take this suffering and do something with it. He will. You know, and he can do something great with it. We owe you one last check of the weather here, and then we need a daily dose of encouragement as well. So stay, stay. We'll stick around. Let's go to the weather. One last time during this octave of Easter, we stop for a daily dose of encouragement with Patty Schneier. Patty, happy Easter to you. Happy Easter. We're finishing up this week talking about hope and Easter joy and how we can be a witness to that in the world. Today on this Friday, I want to just end our week with a quote from St. John Paul II. He delivered this quote in Australia in 1986. It's one of his most famous quotes when he said, we are an Easter people and Alleluia is our song. But I want to share the entire quote in the context of how he gave this quote. He said, we do not pretend 
that life is all beauty. We are aware of darkness and sin, of poverty and pain. But we know Jesus has conquered sin and passed through his own pain to the glory of the resurrection. And we live in the light of this Paschal mystery, the mystery of this death and resurrection. We are an Easter people, and Alleluia is our song. We are not looking for a shallow joy, but rather a joy that comes from faith, that grows through unselfish love, that represents the fundamental duty of love and neighbor, without which it would be unbecoming to speak of joy. We realize that joy is demanding. It demands unselfishness. It demands a readiness to say with Mary, be it done unto me according to thy word. That's the whole quote of when Pope John Paul II said, we are an Easter people and Alleluia is our song. So it's not a shallow joy. We recognize the demands. We recognize the challenges that face us in the world. But again, it's built on faith and it grows through unselfish love. So maybe today, keep saying that over to yourself if you need to be reminded of it or share it with a friend. We are an Easter people and Alleluia is our song. Patty, that's a fantastic encouragement for us to wrap up the week. Thank you for this daily dose of encouragement. And friends, if you want to go back to any of these, we remind you that you can go to OurCatholicRadio.org, that's OURCatholicRadio.org, and listen to the Daily Dose of Encouragement podcast, or get that podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. We are back, and we're wrapping up our show on this Friday of the Octave of Easter. I do want to let everyone know, if you're in the uh, Metro St. Louis area on Saturday, tomorrow, not only will my daughter receive her first Holy Communion with her classmates, but St. Angela Marici Catholic Church in Florissant, Missouri, is having a uh, Divine Mercy Conference. And it begins at 8 a.m., goes till 3.30 a.m. It begins with Mass. Father James Matulski, uh, Michael McGlynn, Gregory Mary Thompson, Father Stephen Schumacher, Deacon Patrick O'Toole are all going to be the presenters, and the cost is only $20. So for more information, you can call 636-447-6000. Again, that's 636-447-6000. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe you can go. And I hope if you do, and I hope for them, that everybody has a, a fantastic time with a lot of spiritual fruit born of that conference. I think the uh, the number one takeaway I have this morning, gentlemen, is desire for our Lord. You know, Amen. Not, not just celebrating the joy of the resurrection, but but desiring to reap the fruits of the Paschal mystery. That one day we could have the joy of being in heaven with Him, and and that we would long for that as much as Blessed Imelda Lambertini, as much as the second graders, um, that we would kindle the fire in our hearts. So I want to thank you both, Ben Grijalva and Chris Haran, for being with us this morning. Let's say a little prayer here. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was, was in the, the beginning, beginning, is, is now, now, and ever shall, shall be, world without end. end. Amen. Our Lady Queen of Peace, pray, pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray, pray for us. St. Tarsicius, pray for us. And Blessed Imelda Lambertini, pray, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Once again, thanks for being with us on Roadmap to Heaven this morning. It was really, really great to be with you today, and I hope you have a blessed Divine Mercy Sunday weekend. If it's been a while, go to confession this weekend. You'll be glad you did. 
Monday morning, I'll be back with you. We're going to be talking with author Kennedy Hall about Catholic masculinity, and we're also going to have Mondays with Martinoni, and we're talking about common scriptural fallacies that he's going to say, no, 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 Adam, don't get caught in that trap. So you have to tune in Monday to find out what trap we're not going to get caught in. But until then, for Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. I'm Chris Horan. I'm Ben Grijalva. Pray your rosary today. <laughs>